With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Brad, I'm doing analysis here. Keep up. Don't care. <laughs> when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slaps, slaps, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through that mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the... We're going to start winning again. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with healthcare and for our veterans. You may even get tired of winning. And you'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. Mr. President, it's too much. And I'll say, no, it isn't. We have to keep winning. Podcast, a light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Hi, guys. I've been at a seven-year-old's birthday party today, Brad. So I missed uh, the last... How was it? it? I was invited, to clarify. Just... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> The most the most chaotic minute and a half of the podcast there's ever been so far. And especially you with like with your tooth missing. <laughs> yeah. Alex the Pirate was at a seven year old's birthday, but I was invited. I was I was asked to be there, um, just to clarify, to to help. It was uh, a load of seven year olds playing doing a pinata and then playing video games for two hours. But what it meant was I haven't celebrated this win. So that was why I mentioned it. So this could be uh, this can be our celebration, Brad. Yay, yeah. Arsenal won the game. Watch out. Woo! Ashley Young might be not too pleased. What is that about? It's got serious I didn't even fancy her anyway energy, hasn't it? It's it's, it's yeah, really... I, I didn't I didn't want to get the job anyway. I didn't I didn't want to <laughs> sign for Man United anyway, or I didn't I didn't want to win the Champions League anyway. Or it's such a you know. weird thing to say. It's it's like do you know what it is? I think I would say, actually, it's symptomatic of a certain type of team. It's like probably from Everton, Villa, Everton, a a normal year, Everton, Villa, those sorts of teams, Leicester, Wolves, those teams that sort of have European ambitions, but never quite make it big. So whenever they see a team making it big, they're like, well, I don't care anyway, (laughs) whatever. So, yeah. 
It's always those teams. It, well, it's, you never, it's you never the teams Burnley, that aspire to be you. It's the teams that, as, that literally aspire to be where you are and the position that you're in with the, yeah. you know, and, and Villa have um, a history. I mean, fine. Um, but it, it, it is Which that. Are, it's like, they are clinging on to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by dear life. Um yeah, it's it's. I've I've always. I, I just why it, it it is. Do you know what it is? It's such weak, ego driven mentality. It's so. It's so. It's such poor losing. It's so. It like. I'm. I just. Don't, I don't understand. Like a win's a win. We like we beat you, and of course we're going to celebrate that. What's the point of football? Like that. It, this is a competitive What's the point sport. Of any sport. Winning, like, yeah, that's the that's the paradigm. So it's so, and and especially especially when you've come to fucking stink up the game. I can understand getting on the moral high horse if there's a moral high horse to get on. I could understand if West Ham, for example, pip, uh, and you know, touch wood, this doesn't happen. But say West Ham, for example, pip us to Champions League football, or let's just say they win the Europa League and get somehow get Champions League football, and Arsenal get Champions League football. I would have no problem with West Ham making a dig about the fact that they're there and in the Champions League, uh, and, and we're either not there or also there, and we join the Super League and they didn't, and getting on some sort of moral high horse or moral whataboutery that way because there is a little. There is there is a literal platform for them to use to get on that high horse about. There is no high horse for Villa to get on. They uh, rotationally fouled nearly every single one of the of Arsenal players. Uh, I think I counted six fouls for Matty Cash with zero yellow cards. In my opinion, and we'll discuss this later, Mings is lucky to be on the pitch. Um, it it was a ridiculous evening of refereeing, and that's for both teams as well. I'm I'm not. To I don't have my head so far up my own ass like some fans on Twitter that I will I will admit there were some dodgy decisions given Arsenal's way today. Like what was his name? Madly just had a bad 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 game. But there there is some sort of very strange behaviour about literally stinking up a game, going in studs up more than once, kicking players out of a game in essence. And then complaining when the team that you've tried to beat through nefarious means beats you. And it's celebrates. weird. It. Yeah. It is very odd. I also, <laughs> just basking in that point because it is so correct. Um, also, mate, I find the whole, most of the pre-match was about how well Villa are doing, which I find bizarre. Considering where Arsenal, what Arsenal are, be, are, are doing this season, I would have expected Villa to finish around mid-table, which is where they're going to finish. Ninth, I don't, tenth. I don't understand yeah. what the big hurrah is. I don't get it. Um, and Arsenal are doing much better than people had anticipated them to do. Okay, fine. But what it is, is it ha- they have to create some kind of stakes in the game. They can't ever... It's funny, actually, watching... Because I, I had to leave because I was... Um, I don't know if I've mentioned I was at a birthday party this afternoon. And uh, so I came back and watched the second half again. And obviously it's different watching with no stakes. But what you hear then is because there are no stakes at that point, because I know the result, the commentator is constantly trying to ramp up like, oh, Villa could get a chance here. And and because of the home crowd and because of the, you know, Mm. if Arsenal have a chance, it's like, oh, Saka here. 
and if they have the if uh, Villa have the exact same chance at the other end, it's like walk it, walk it. It's like you know, chill out, like calm down, because because you've got that kind of narrative and you've got the underdog story, and whatever. But I genuinely believe that really affects how games are viewed and the prisms through which mm-hmm. fans take their things away from. So today, to me, and to get a bit more into the game, we controlled it. We we controlled oh. that game. There were there was moments, of course, that we that we didn't control. But for sixty, seventy, eight, even eighty percent of this game, we controlled it. But what's going to come out of it was is things like this Ashley Young thing, where oh, you know, why are they, you know, why are they even celebrating this? It's like, well, why is that the narrative that people are going to take away from this? Why is that? Why is yeah. the narrative not Arsenal are flying high and Villa came as an outside of the fan base and Villa came and rotationally fouled us because that is objectively what happened. But it's plucky Villa doing well. It's like fuck off. And also, I think it's also to, uh, important to denote like we controlled the game in different ways. There, there's a there's a there's a marked change in less pressing in the second half for me, you know. And, and we'll discuss all of this and actually get into the game. But you can control different states in different ways. Just like mm-hmm. bringing on Rob Holding and going five at the back is is a perfectly legitimate way if you believe that it's going to work to control a game state to go go on nothing's falling for you have the ball whip it in we'll just head it away that that's that's control <laughs> like yeah and they had one shot on target taking today. the exactly and taking the opportunity to go go on there's the ball do what you will you're not going to do anything that's as much being in control as just ah do you know what let's just knock it around the back for a bit it's just a different method. And often what we're told is that the the latter is more um is more is more of a control on a game and more impressive. And the former is is oh you're battening down the hatches for dear life, like you say, because it's trying to create narrative. It's trying to create a storyline that actually just doesn't exist. Their first shot on target came from the last kick of the football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's one of the and I just I was watching the second half going why are they ramping this up if they weren't in Villa's stadium if they weren't trying to make a TV show essentially which is where they have to try and make a narrative where the underdogs might win out because that's what people like to see as a kind of neutral and on a TV show this commentary mm-hmm. and the way they're doing you know the punditry around this would not be anywhere anything like what we're seeing and it, it does frustrate me and it and it excuses a lot of things i think that's the issue it's because for me the takeaway from the game a a lot of it other than you know sort of apart from what we're going to talk about in terms of our side of things was the rotational fouling was the consistent yeah was the consistent rotational fouling of villa unable to be stopped by andy madley or madley whatever his name is andy jason podcast whatever his name is um what is his name uh, it's Andy Madley. Uh, I'm just getting up who scored to find out the exact number of fouls because I don't have my laptop with me. Anyway, yeah, look, narratives, narratives, narratives. We know that. But um, I'll go first with word of the game. Bradley's doing some uh, who scored arithmetic. So I'll get on with my word of the game. My word of the game is managed um, for a number of reasons. I think firstly, credit to the physios, the backroom staff, to Mikel, to the players for getting through this week. Um, we said this week was going to be tough, three games in six days. And credit to them, they looked... You know, they weren't the freshest, but you wouldn't expect that. And, you know, I think um, 
there was something that, you know, I saw a screenshot this week, which was like, you know, uh, teams will no longer be forced to play the, the Saturday early kickoff after a Champions League game on the Wednesday because it's not right. And just because we're not in Europe, apparently that rule doesn't apply to us. Um, so look, we did well. Um, and I'm glad we did that. I thought we managed the game well as well. Um, shutting up shop. Uh, I thought we managed it as, as you kind of referred to in different ways. Um, early on in the, uh, in the match there was you know shutting down of the passing lanes getting out to them getting tight winning the ball high up the pitch winning the ball straight away uh, counter pressing quickly um, and then as the game went on we took a bit more control a bit more time and then and then kind of shut up shop at the other end so I think we managed that well because um, I don't think we had the fitness really to see out the game in a in, a, in another way um, and we managed the situation because I think these are games mm-hmm. you know a way where there's as we've referred to a narrative that is trying to be spun um, a hostile environment uh, with a few injuries. This is kind of the games we lose under late stage Wenger. <laughs> Sounds like a disease. <laughs> I've got late stage Wenger. I'm so sorry. Um, Unai and even probably early early Mikel. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know the, these. We all remember the the, the types of games that we just we just capitulate a bit because there's a bit of pressure. I'd even say Brentford, you know, that 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 sort of game uh, at the beginning of the season where it's under the lights, it's you know, we we're not the underdog and all, all that situation um ends up often being a kind of downfall for Arsenal. So I think we managed the the actual occasion itself well. Um so yeah, I'm really pleased with the management. Absolutely. Um ironically, my word of the game is not too different from yours. Mine is grind. Uh, we, we, to use a, a synonym of that, not a synonym, a, a derivative, we ground out the result tonight, uh, and we put in a grinding performance. Um, and Brad's on grinder. Can- <laughs> <laughs> for all you hot single lads out there. Oh, for fuck's sake, Alex. Um, uh, yeah, I think everything you mentioned is absolutely true. We dominated the game pretty much from start to finish in different ways and in d- different avenues. And when, you know, the going got tough, Arsenal got tougher and we we just dealt with every single thing that came our way. I don't, um, I don't know why people are targeting Ben White. Uh, it's strange. I think the, that it's lazy is what it is. What, what's lazy about that is... Steven Gerrard has heard from Sky Sports after the Brentford game uh, and heard a few of their comments about Ben White being apparently weak in the air uh, and tried to target him today and just been shown to be an absolute just moron for it. Like it just it's it's lazy and um I've, I've, I did my little arithmetic. Uh, I counted that they did like 16 fouls. And let alone, these are fouls that are given to three yellow cards. 16 fouls to three yellow cards. So you're talking about, what is that? 5.25 fouls per card. Bearing in mind, Matty Cash made five of those fouls and did not get carded. Granit Xhaka made one foul. Uh, and was carded for persistent fouling. I think the 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 setup from Villa was 
strange for me. I don't understand why you would go into a game to just kick kick the opponents out because their their main form of attack for me is or, or what it seemed to be today was trying to get long balls or balls over the top or crosses from deep to try and get Watkins into space or try and get Matty Cash into space. Why are you then going to enforce a tactic that's automatically going to make your opposition play more reserved football? All that that rotational fouling did was make us set up the way that we did in the second half. We sat back. We didn't go at them as much because we knew it wasn't worth it. So it they, in effect, nullified themselves. It was strange. I think people have got this weird boner for Steven Gerrard that I don't understand. Speaking of boners, Brad isn't on Grindr, just to clarify. Um, the, like, I don't get it. I've never watched the Steven Gerrard side and thought really solid tactically. So This is my first time watching one, so I, I wouldn't know. But yeah, I, I, I didn't I think there were anything special today. I don't get it. Twin tens in Wendy and Coutinho. Okay, fine. We shut down the spaces and they had no answer to it. Like literally no answer to it because they couldn't control the wide areas because Saka and uh, Smithrow had that completely unlocked. Fucking Cedric had his best game in an Arsenal shirt, by the way. But they should have been able to exploit those wide, wide spaces a bit better. And because we got out to Coutinho and McGinn quicker than other teams do and didn't allow them the space, the one time we didn't do that, McGinn gets a ball and it's a decent chance for them. Once we shut those areas down for them and Partey and Xhaka had to... Um, <clears throat> And Partey and Xhaka had to be a little bit more disciplined in 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 that in those sort of zones. They had no answer. I, I don't get it. Gabby Ogbonlahor, just just going back on your Ben White point. Um, Gabby Ogbonlahor before the game was chatting some absolute, as you would say, wham about Ben White, saying I'd be saying if I was playing out there, I'd be targeting the space in behind Ben White because he's really slow, and you know you can exploit his lack of speed. Not true. Literally not true. But and objective fact here uh ben white uh clocked 33.8 uh, kilometers per hour in the 2020 21 season kyle walker clocked 37 so he's like a little bit a little bit uh, uh slower than kyle walker it's just complete bollocks and that, it kind of went into the it kind of felt it was part of the malaise of this villa thing that they think they've got Gerard. I, d- I just, I, I don't get it. I don't, Bon Lahore was saying like he was speaking to Jacob Ramsey. Like I, there feels like this weird cabal over there that thinks they've got some kind of, perhaps I'm offending Barry if you're listening, I apologize. That feels like they've got something big going on. They're sort of saying, oh, we're going to get into Europe. I, 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 I don't see it. I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe I'm offending all the La Villa fans, but I don't get it. I think it comes from his legend status as a player. Uh, I think, I'm going to preface this with with saying I think Villa have made some very, very good acquisitions in the last few years. And I do think if Wolves and West Ham and possibly even Spurs and United aren't careful and don't get their next step right, Villa can definitely be a club that push up a level. You know, their talent acquisition has been good. And whilst I didn't see anything really special from Gerard tactically today. He's a young manager who could definitely improve in yeah, the same sure, way that sure. Arteta has under us. Um, but I think what this is, and I think that this is a massive part of the psyche of, of and the tribalism within football. We believe too much in what we used to be. Everyone thinks that they that Villa at Villa or 
uh, and pundits talk about Steven Gerrard as if Steven Gerrard, the player at his peak, is the same as Steven Gerrard, the manager now, as in the ability level is the same. It's the same when you hear Man United fans say, uh, well, this person isn't good enough for Man United. Well, Man United are currently, what, sixth? Like, what what Man United are you talking about? Are you talking about the Man United from the early 2000s, from the 2011s? Because that Man United currently doesn't exist. It's like when, when people say, oh, you know, we play the Arsenal way. We play the Man United way. Your club is a, like... Is, is is an object. It doesn't actually exist. It's just a it's just a coalition. It's an idea. It's it's real. It can't have its own idea of way of playing. It's not alive. And people get so bogged into this idea of what things used to be. Now listen, I'm an Arsenal fan. I like watching attractive football and I will always want Arsenal to play a certain way because that's the type of football I enjoy watching. I won't, I, 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 I don't think you can get bogged in with the idea that that is the Arsenal way, because at the end of the day, any club on the face of this earth can adopt these tactics, can make these choices. They might do it to a different level of success, but they can still make those decisions. And it's the same thing with players and with managers. We go, oh, you know, Stephen, uh, Paul Scholes is going to be a phenomenal manager because Paul Scholes was a phenomenal player. Or whenever we hire a player manager in that was once at the peak of world football, there is always talk about the fact that they're, you know, are oh, they the next up and coming thing? What proves that? Some of the best managers that have ever been never played the game. Never. Drill, had, had no... <laughs> Arsene Wenger, Jose Mourinho... Never played, and I'm pretty sure Alex Ferguson never played the game to any sort of real standard where they were like title winners. So I, I, I think we we get we buy into this idea. We buy into this idea, and it's it's silly because it's not true. Yeah, yeah, and I I think on on the Villa thing, like I just yeah, I just I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. And I think you're right that you, we just we just cling to these ideas of what something is rather than looking at what's in front of us. And yeah, uh we can only focus on the team as it is. And our team was mm-hmm. uh slightly Very uh, good. Well, I was gonna say uh, depleted today. No Ramsdale or Martinelli, which was a shame. Um I'll tell you what I haven't missed. Leno's pointless clearances. The, the first Always thing I kicks. The first thing I did was roll my eyes. Literally, literally, the first thing I wrote down was rolling my eyes at Leno. That is it. Like, look, he's he's being he like bypassed in the first phase as well. People just weren't using him because there's no point. They only ever used Leno played into feet if they really needed to. Today. Yeah, and and another thing, if I'm in that Villa dressing room, I'm saying. Leno hasn't played since August. The last time he played, he conceded five against City. He'll be nervous. The way Arsenal play, they're used to having a keeper with decent feet. Press him. But Villa were not pressing in the fir- pressing us in our first phase, which I, I never understand, especially if you're a team looking to get at us. I re- I re- you, um, maybe, you, maybe you want to let us control the game. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but it didn't make any sense to me. Um and we had real control in that first first sort of phase. Um, I feel like we always established a bit of control quite early in, in mm-hmm. these sorts of games. Uh, we we're getting stuck in early, uh, as I say, not really allowing the spaces for the, for the tens. Really committing nice and high, and soon stepping out of defence. Partey doing well, White doing well, Gabriel doing well. 
there was an early sighter from Smith Row. Um, uh, and there was a moment where I think Saka got in on the right. And again, the Erdegaard weak foot situation is, is slightly frustrating, but we, that's a kind of ongoing ongoing thing. Something I'm noticing is a pattern in our game at the moment as well is, and, and it's been there before, but I think we're exploiting it to a new level at the moment, is that switch over to Saka. And it, yeah. it happens It happens uh, if Martinelli's playing on, on the left-hand side as well. Um, but overloading the left in this game and switching out to the right to Saka, especially in that first half, was really, really working. Um, and it's so simple. It's so simple. I was so simple. Uh, I was. Um, I was talking to. No one will get that reference. No one, but Brad, we will, and that's what matters. Remember, we will. We're not. We're not making a podcast for anyone else. It's just for us. Um, <laughs> I was speaking to a friend of mine, and we were talking, and I was like, "I wonder how many goals we're going to get just from someone getting it to Saka. Saka pops it to Erdegaard, and Erdegaard pops it back to Saka." And has a shot. Um, I, we, I, like I, I seriously, it, it's. I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's it's going to become our superpower. Yeah. And unless teams figure out a way that isn't rotational fouling, which to be fair, maybe is the answer, um, we're going to score a lot of goals. That's not always going to work. It's no. not always going to work because on a on another day, players get sent off. They yeah. really, really, really do. It's For sure. it's that simple. And I'll listen. Uh, and uh, you know, it's. You can have differing opinions on certain decisions, but I think it's very clear that if you're comp- constantly fouling on a certain side, players will eventually get the wrong referee. They will pick up cards and then they'll get themselves sent off. And then, you you know, that's not a tactic that's going to uh, to always put your team in a superior position. Because as soon as that um, numerical advantage comes, with the way that Arsenal play, they'll just ping it around you like you're not even there. And uh, yeah, they, and they, we were doing that when they had eleven men. Could you imagine if if Mings had gotten sent off and we were doing that when, when they had ten men? They, they'd have just had to shut up shop for seventy minutes and hope for the best. For sure, and and I think two things happen there as well. For, firstly, I think that might have happened a bit more because we didn't have Martinelli today, so there was a kind of focal point on that right hand side. But I also think two things mm-hmm. will happen. Firstly, Saka will learn how to how to bypass that. Um, I remember Sterling had a period where he was getting fouled a lot. And he just managed to to work out how to how to not be in those situations, and and that's something I hope Saka learns how to do as well. And secondly, that as the team hopefully gets more and more established and moves further and further up the table, if if people did that to Salah, can you imagine what would happen? If if Saka got the treatment that Salah got today, or Jota, or uh, Mares, any, anyone in that sort of class, because they're they're established Premier League football players in that sort of class and echelon of of the game, referees have that sort of immediate respect for them, and and I think Saka will just grow that, uh, which is which will be part yeah. of it. And you know we see how much reputation dictates refereeing. So, um, I want to ask you a question, Brad, and uh, you know, go take for some it. time to answer it. How many league titles would Arsenal have if Thomas Partey could shoot? Probably the next seven. Yeah, I think so. In a row. They might award us two in in one season, just for how far ahead we'd be. Yeah. Like how we got the gold one for the Amitsport. They might they might give us two. But wait, mate, it would be a platinum one because not only would we go invincible, we'd win thirty eight of thirty eight. We'd win thirty nine <laughs> of thirty eight games, somehow. 
I don't yeah, know how we, we do it. They'd give us the extra three points as a bonus. Opposition teams are very lucky he can't shoot because he's always in great positions. But he just yeah. can't do it. He really can't. And is it funny? I don't know. It's funny while we're winning. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like it's funny when we when we're one up. But I don't know. It's just one of those things. Um, I yeah. It, I'll never understand the tactic of of trying to smack it from forty five yards because you're like most of the time it's you're giving it, it's such a high value opportunity for the keeper to make a save anyway. If there's an opportunity for a pass or an opportunity for to just keep the ball and try and plug away again, unless you are on the edge of the box or on the edge of that D with a clear sight, I, I don't see the point. I, I think especially because, like you say, you know, you have to be excellent with uh, at shooting. You have to be excellent at that to be able to make something of that two times out of 10, let alone however many times that you would want it to be. Yeah. And I, I think that's something I'm looking for in our left eight when it, when it happens. Um, just also because we're pulling them wide, because we've got the qualitative advantage in the, in the, in the wide areas, it pulls them out. So we, we will create mm-hmm. space for someone. And I, I, I think, I think there's two, positions in this team actually while we're on this i'll mention this i think there's two positions in this team that could explode absolutely explode i i I still think our center forward is going to have to be a facilitative thing i don't for some reason i still can't get into my head that we're going to get we're going to get some 30 goal a season striker i just don't see it happening i don't know how how we do that i think we should definitely get someone who has better better goal output than lacazette and someone who but someone who does that all-round game because I think we really require that but two positions that are going to really explode I think in this team are left back and the left cent- central midfielder I don't know whether the left back is going to be Tierney or, Nun- or Nuno and I don't know who the new left central midfielder is going to be but when we have those positions when they're once for example Tierney gets someone to properly uh, combine with on that left hand side he is going to explode he's going to absolutely explode. I predict next season, Tierney will have an unbelievable season because he's going to have someone to combine at all different angles. And also that left eight is going to have so much, so much of a platform to build on from the rest of the team. He's going to know behind him, you've got White and Gabriel and Partey and Tierney and support. And if we get someone in there who can really add something in terms of attack value, I think that those two positions are so exciting to me because they feel they have such a big upside. And I think sort of in conjunction with that as well, something that I love seeing grow from week to week to week is the automations in this team. Yeah. It's the, I think I texted you about this. There's a moment where Smith Rowe, who doesn't play every week, knocks it off to Xhaka and Xhaka knows exactly where Smith Rowe is going to be. Xhaka doesn't play back heels. It doesn't happen. It's not. It's not in his game, but he does because he knows where Smith Rowe is going to be, and that's that's the ball. He knows exactly where Smith Rowe is going to run. It happens on the right hand side. It happens in the middle. They all know where someone should be, and that is hours and hours on the training pitch of Arteta moving the ball and saying, "Right, you receive it here now. Everyone, stop. I want a left center. My left center back here. I want my right sided eight here. I want my whatever. However, he's doing it." So everyone knows exactly where, where everyone should be and where they're going to combine and what happens if someone presses, what happens if someone sits off. Like, And it's so, those automations make everything easier and it's so nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And on your opinion about 
Oh, hello, Siri. That was Siri. Um, on your on your idea about positions exploding as well, I think that every position is going to feel a massive lift when we buy a striker who has some threat to his yeah. game. Because what we saw today as well was Mings going out to help uh, Ashley Young on that left-hand side to deal with Saka a lot of the time. He needed help. Which, again leaves so much space to be exploited. And so one of two things will happen. That left-sided centre-back is either going to have to stay where he is to cover the centre-forward because the centre-forward can score, or, and then Saka's a one-on-one. And if there's anyone I'd bet my life savings on to be a man one-on-one is Bakayo Saka, nine mm-hmm. times out of 10, like mm-hmm. probably 9.9 times out of 10. Uh, or is he's going to have to go out to help out his left-back and then they'll pop the ball back into Odegaard and then the centre forward's free. Yeah. You know, they're, they're every single, once you add that, because I think the thing is, is Xhaka is upgradable, but an upgrade isn't the most pressing part of our team in that left central midfield role. Um, you know, it's the same with literally every, the, the the most pressing place to upgrade on the pitch is centre forward. And as soon as we do that, it's going to create so many new dynamics or, or threat levels mm-hmm. in different positions and in different moments that it's just going to create so many more pockets of space yep. for intelligent players like Saka, like Smithrow, like Gabby, like mm-hmm. Erdegaard, like, mm-hmm. like Xhaka, if he's still here to exploit and to play the ball into. Yep. And our goal tally next season will will go up by 15 goals in an instant because of that. Yeah, it drags people. In, and there was an article out today from Mikhail saying he's targeting, I think he said 90 to 100 goals next season. And I mean, why not? You know, if we get the right players in, if, if the talent ID is what we think it is, why can't we get it right first time? And why can't we see an absolute explosion? So it is so exciting. I feel like I'm at a feast. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I'm like, what next? Mm. You know, looking around. Um, Siri, who do you think should be our next left eight? I don't have an answer for that. Is there something else I can help with? Oh, he's such a... Playing with our emotions. Um, it's all right. Mikel has the answer. Mikel always has the answer. We're going to win. You're going to get tired of winning. <laughs> it's going to be huge. Uh, I hate praising him, but what a fucking save from Martinez from uh, when Conza nearly turned The deflected cross, yeah. Fuck yeah. me. And it feels like he uses up all of his goalkeeping juice for then the, the goal, which <laughs> Just is for that, very yeah. feeble. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking about this today, right? The Martinez situation is the most ironic and possibly the biggest example of almost poetic justice that I've ever seen. He was too rash and didn't want to wait to stake a claim for a number one spot. So he left to join a team that if things go well for Villa in his career... Their apex is probably the Europa League. If he'd have stayed at Arsenal for a season, he'd be the goalkeeper helping to lead a charge for Arsenal to get into the Champions League right now. We probably would have had a much better season last season as well because we'd have a keeper who could actually play. And we've signed a better goalkeeper anyway. 
So it's, it's... Uh, and and then we've gone and signed a better goalkeeper who's younger and homegrown for nearly the same amount of money in an original fee. We got twenty million for him. Ramsdale original fee twenty four million. I I, I I I it it brings joy to my soul. It really does. It really makes me happy. When do you reckon the documentary about that concert save is coming out? Next week, maybe. Um, I think I think we'll see an interview probably tomorrow in an Argentinian newspaper that will say, you know, um, all all of the players in front of me blocked my 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 path for the Saka goal, just like Arsenal blocked my path to number one <laughs> for ten years. <laughs> I had another joke, but that was very good. So I'm going to leave it. Um, uh, I felt as though Smith Rowe would have a bigger influence in this game. I felt as though with the tight spaces, he might be the guy. Didn't end up being that. Mm. So irrelevant. No, I think he was a bit um, rusty today. There were a few. There were a few moments. A snatch shot. He took a moment off of Lacquer as well, where the two of them almost both went for the same shot, the same ball, and it, and neither of them did anything with it. It's a cross in, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. Stop pray actually, and I'm banning you from replying on this. Stop praising referees for letting the game carry on and then pulling it back to admonish the player. It's refereeing. That's what it. And that every si- well, yeah, really good refereeing there. Really good. It's like a player like passing a ball six yards, it, six yards, and then you go really good past that. You're like, that's their job. That's her job. That's her job. That is not a great save. That's that's his job. <laughs> um, but it's not even like a spectacular part of of their job. It's the easy. It's probably possibly the easiest it's part so of the weird. job. It's so it's it, do you know what it is? It's 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 like automatic. It's like they have to say. It's like Martin Tyler has to give a player's nationality. It's so, he's it's like he's like a verbal diarrhea. He's just like Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who captains the Gabon team. And you're like, yeah. Thanks. Um, there I it is. Our, I thought our st- uh, setup to stop the passing lanes was really, really good in that first half as well. And I also want to give a shout out to Cedric because I thought he was really good on the near hand side. Nice bit of 1v1 v Watkins. Good in the tight spaces as he always is. I think he's underrated. I know you hate him, but there you go. Oh, no, no, no. I don't hate I don't him. I just think him. that I against think top teams him. and top players, will get he'll get exposed. But... He wasn't today, and that's that's something to be said. He put in a very, very good performance. Um, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, the goal, Bakayo scores Arsenal's two thousandth Premier League goal, becoming the third team to reach that milestone after Manchester United and Liverpool. But we're not even top six, mate. We're not even. We're not even a big six. Don't worry about that. Um, no, don't worry it's about a that. Good free kick routine, well positioned, um, drops nicely. But a, cl- it's, it's but a club who hasn't won a league title since the 60s is in the top six. It's fine. Brad, I'm doing analysis here. Keep up. Don't um, care. <laughs> I've, got to get, I've got to get a Tottenham dig in there somewhere. That We should clip that up. That is the Maybe the trailer for the different knocks should be, Brad, I'm doing analysis here. I don't care. <laughs> don't care. I don't care. <laughs> don't care. Um, you are a fool. You are nothing. You are a fool. You are a waste of time. Good night. He's the biggest. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day. Fool's Day. He's the biggest fool in Manchester. In Manchester. (laughs) Um, Speaking about 
Villa was starting to press higher in the second half, as uh, the first half, and get a bit more control. Uh, speaking about also what you were saying on the decisions that went did didn't go against us. Party on Mings, man! What was he doing? That was dangerous. That was very. He wasn't very. No, uh, so strange. And I'm surprised that you know he he lasted as long as he did without getting a yellow card because he was clipping players left, right, and centre. That the yellow card he got. I don't. I don't think he's a yellow card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really bizarre. Um, here's another thing, mate. I think Arteta has taught me something about midfielders. I think I had a bit of a. I don't know. Maybe less of a modern approach to it in terms of what I see from a central midfielder. I think I've always mm. longed as an Arsenal fan to have like a deep lying destroyer. Like, I really wanted us to sign William Carvalho. Do you remember when he was linked to Arsenal? I really yes. wanted William Carvalho for some reason because I was like, he's a big boy. He's a proper defender, can nick... But I even sort of wanted Ndidi or whatever. I think the game has moved past someone like an Ndidi and perhaps that's why he's not being linked to the big clubs because someone who is very, very adept, like it kind of was that 2016 Kante thing and I think the new wave of midfielder can kind of do everything. Partey is able to, in the same move, intercept a ball, play a one-two and then progressive carry it. I think I've I've kind of separated out those jobs before and I think Partey, watching someone be such an all-action midfielder shows me what a midfielder can be and you don't have to have sort of one role in a midfield. You can be someone who is able to do all parts of the game and... Credit mm-hmm. to Arteta because I've always felt as though you need to sort of find a balance in the midfield, and of course you do, but it's a different type of balance. It's a, uh, it's yeah. like it, it's not everyone does everything. Thought. Yeah, everyone does everything, and obviously people have their skills and their strengths, but but yeah, definitely, and 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 fair play to him. Um, I'm sure he really cares about what I think. Um, by the way, Xhaka stopping Martinez going long was so funny. You know the bit where Martinez tried to go long and he just <laughs> ran into him. He got a lovely reputation yellow as well. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, uh, Lord knows, Lord knows, and I love what he said to him. Uh, he said something like, uh, "He said something about basically like, oh, is that three times? Is it that he's oh, done yeah, that yeah. because <laughs> people have been fouled? Yeah, all over the place." And I loved actually just while it, that's in my mind with you know because I've got the most lateral brain on the planet. I loved Saka's comments post the game, saying about he was talking to the referee saying that they're literally kicking me out of the game. Like he needs protection. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting and good on him for sticking up for himself. Yeah. And that's, I think what I was saying earlier, like maturity that will, that will come as this kind of star grows. If it can grow any higher, you know, he'll feel more and more um, able to speak to the referees and be like, look, mate, I might win you a world cup here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like fucking support me. Um, also, big fan of uh, Gunner Blog tweeted saying, Arteta and Gerrard in the dugout, but Ashley Young still playing for Aston Villa. What year is it? What's going on? <laughs> Made me laugh. A um, couple more things on the game, Brad. Uh, John McGinn, outside shout for the left eight. I quite like him. Um... Think he's at the apex of what he is, and I don't think that that level is Arsenal, in my opinion. Because he, I'm just 
Googling how old he is, he is. Classic. I mean, he's only, he's only 27. No, and then when his contract's up. <laughs> and then, and then he, FB yeah, ref. All, all of these things. <laughs> um, just to see all the percentiles. But in the sense of like, if John McGinn is playing to that level as a 23-year-old, that's very different to if John McGinn is playing to that level as a 30-year-old because there's still room to grow at certain ages. You know, he's, I mean, he's 27, turning 28, but he's 27 till he's 28. Um, you know, because that's how it works. I don't understand. Uh, I, 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 I think his level is Europa League and we're past that. We're not, we're, we're moving on, baby. We're moving up. But he's in the top eight percentile for aerials lost. <laughs> I mean, he's like five foot four. He's not really tall, is he? Just a, um, one of my favourite comments. This is the- this has been one of the most unhinged episodes in a while. <laughs> it's all over the place. If you've got I'm this so far, sorry, guys. I'll share with you. I am slightly drunk. <laughs> Alex, I was asleep <laughs> on my rug on the floor up to 20 minutes before we recorded this episode. The people love it. They love they love the unhinged opinions. They love it. Different knock unleashed. <laughs> Have you seen that thing that's like Basil Brush family concert and then like 20 minutes later Basil Brush unleashed. <laughs> I might put that as the as the picture for the podcast. Um I really yeah. enjoyed. You know when Lacazette went off and I can't I think it's Darren Fletcher who comments and he's like he goes like well, we haven't seen much from him today, have we? And Stephen Manning was like, no, but he, he's, he's tried. He's really tried hard. He's done really well. <laughs> he's he's like, done his best. He's like a little like six-year-old that they're like, don't worry, buddy. Hey, you've drawn all over the, the walls, bi- but next is, time. Oh. Next time, He's eh? the biggest participation medal merchant I've ever heard of. Literally. He's <laughs> the living embodiment of, <laughs> yeah, you tried. Uh, um, what else is there on the game? I've got other points, but this is getting to a point. It's, it's not. A, it's silly, not about. It? It's not about the end result. It's about how 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 hard you tried, and that's what's important. Did you enjoy Alex. yourself, Lacazette? That's the main thing, mate. Did you enjoy yourself? Um, I've got other points, but I can't, I can't, honestly, <laughs> this is, is it is it a red card for you? That's the last thing. Is it a red card for you? Do you think the Mings one? Yeah. Do you know what, mate? Sometimes what I feel happens is I pick a position and I'm like, like straight away, I'll just be like, it's not, it's not a red. And then I'll do everything I can to justify it. For, I think most people do this. <laughs> just like, nah, it's not red. Absolutely. And everything. And then I'll just swear blind that it's not a red. I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it should be a red, but then equally it's that thing of like, so many other things that we, that have happened to us and other teams have been ridiculous reds compared to that. That's, Do you know what I mean? That's not the barometer though, isn't it? The, the barometer should be if the refereeing is correct and actually good, would you want this to be a red card? Yeah. And I think, so I, I think the whole kind of merry-go-round of, oh, well, if that was Xhaka, it's not helpful because the only reason that those things happen to Xhaka is because the officiating is bad, not because the challenges are bad. I think you have to, you have to, judge it on the best refereeing you could possibly get would that be a red card for you yep. and i mean for me i think it is he leaves the ground when he's at, like he literally his body is off the ground entering the challenge so he's out of control his studs are up 
I mean, it's hard enough to make Bukayo's ankle bleed. And one thing that we have to get out of this, get like this mentality in this game is that if you win the ball, it doesn't matter. Yeah, when they do that, if you win the ball, the ball and snap, yeah, if you win the ball and snap someone's ankle because you've gone in two footed, it makes no difference. It's a, it's about whether it's a dangerous challenge. It's not about whether you won the ball. You just punch someone in the face and pick up the ball and be like, "I got the ball." <laughs> no, no, no. Just like I don't know. Next game, who are we playing? Uh, like Brighton. Uh, Granite Xhaka from the edge of the D just runs and fly kicks Robert Sanchez in the face from a corner and just happens to punch the ball in the goal at the same time. But he got the ball. Got the ball. It's fine. Got the ball. Who are we playing next? Uh, Palace away. No, Palace. Palace Palace away. away. Uh, Second half was really broken play, to be honest. They had one shot on target, but I just felt we sort of held them at arm's length a little bit. There's a decent chance for Watkins. They hit the post. Eddie looked bright. I loved Holden coming on with his little five, three, two. Big fan of that. Um, and yeah. great to see the scenes at full time with the, t- the team surrounding Leno. Nice to see. Absolutely. Consummate professional. Definitely. Definitely. I, you know, and yes, he's he's not all we need, but we know that. And he came in and did a decent job today and saved us, saved us two points definitely at the end. So... Fair play to him. It's a good save. It's a good save. Arsenal have taken 31 points from the last 39 available. And the biggest thing for me, Brad, the biggest thing, the Leicester, Wolves and Villa games last year, we got three points out of them, home and away. This season, we've won all of them and got 18 points. Wow. I'm so happy. More than you believe. More than you believe I'm happy. More than you believe. We can... We cannot replace him. We cannot replace him. We cannot. We'll see you. Different gravy after this. That's a different player's quote, but fuck it. Different gravy? When did Pep Guardiola say different gravy? No, that's what I just said. It's a different player's quote. It's It's the Aguero one. I just have one thing to say for him. Different gravy. Have you never seen that? Never seen that in my life. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, and how couldn't you, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and please support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free versions of the main podcast. Shall I read it less boringly? <coughs> Welcome back to News oh, and sorry, Views, guys. where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts... <laughs> Please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and please support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free versions of the main podcast and the preview podcast <laughs> for just £3 per month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee! Uh, anything you could give, monthly or one-off, helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. <laughs> Fucking hell. We have lots of views. Let me find them. Arsenal FC 1971. 
Don't want to slag Peppy and Peppy. <laughs> Don't want to slag Pepe and Eddie. You can see how I made that mistake. Especially after all the Wolves game. But does Arteta need to come up with a different substitution? Both were poor and Pepe nearly lost us the game. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't great, was he? I think that was the worst of his cameos so far. But no one is... No one is anyone who is still of the belief that Nicola Pepe is staying at Arsenal for the next season and is the man, just, 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 just bury them now. Cause they're back. They're, 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 pff, the, even the Lord cannot help them. It's pretty icy between them at full time. Arteta's going around giving everyone handshakes and high fives. And he looks, looks more enthused to be talking to the Villa players than Pepe. I don't want to. I don't want to read too much into that. I mean, what does that mean? But like, well, I mean, Pepe gives away. He, he gives away the free kick at the end of the game that nearly gets them a goal. If that's if I'm the manager, I'm I'm super pissed off at the end of that game. I thought his ball retention was horrible today. His passing was weak. There's a there's a moment where he intercepts the ball and he outside of the foot passes it to a Villa player. I, I don't. Yeah, it was a horrendous cameo from him and uh, and Inketia as well today. I don't know what the two of them were on. And if this is their idea of trying to secure new contracts elsewhere, Lord help us find people to get them off to because Lord knows who'd pick them up. Yeah, I, I think weirdly we're. In, I've got a few points to make. Firstly, yeah, on 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 those two, it's a difficult position to be in because you know you're not going to start. You know, basically, time's up for you at this club. You know, this regime's moved on from you. So it must be a very difficult squad position to be in. And in terms of can Arteta get another solution? I don't think so before the end of the season. I mean, what else can he do? Can he bring on Hutchinson or whatever? He hasn't got the experience. You, you know, Nicola Pepe, for all of his flaws, ultimately was one of our top goal contributors last season. And, 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 we have to and also it has been decent in some of the cameos this season yeah i just think that he 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 was just really not on it today yeah and that's probably why things were icy between them if you bring a player on to see out a match and just like don't do anything fucking stupid and then they start doing some of the shit that pepe did you're going to be fuming yeah yeah and, and and i think yeah, well, yeah, definitely. But also on, this, on the kind of substitutions, it also makes me think kind of how lucky we are to have Rob Holding because he is yeah. a specialist in those situations. If you want to see out a game, I can't think, and maybe someone will correct me, I can't think of a, of a game this season, Holding's come on and we've lost it or we've even conceded. I, I, I really don't I think that has worked basically every time it's happened maybe maybe there's one incident where we've conceded I don't know but like most nine times out of ten that works he's a great backs of the wall defender and if we tried to sign him now I don't think it'd work because I, I don't I don't know who'd want that squad role I don't know who'd want to come in as no. a experienced player that he is at this point you know 26 27 who'd want to come in and be knowing he's a different style from what Arteta is going to want and be that different version. Man City don't have that. They, they can't turn to Nathan Ake to come on and see out a game. So I think we'll, I actually think they can't even turn to their defenders to defend anyway. I'll oh, start with this weird agenda around Man City. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah, Man City is shit. Shut up. Um, for the money they've spent. Um, 
Yeah, there you go. Get the right phrase sorry, in there. Sorry, you, I, I thought you were going to correct me. So. Um, yeah, so I, I do think we're quite lucky with Rob Holding, actually. And I hope he stays for the next couple of seasons. Oh, mate, uh, yeah, absolutely. Give him, give him a new contract. He just can't be the third option. We need yeah, to yeah. either keep Saliba or sign somebody, if we are selling Saliba, sign somebody Saliba. to come in and play that third option. Saliba oh, I don't even give a shit anymore, boobs. mate. I really don't. If we sell him, we sell him. Shit happens. Ben White and Gabriel all the way. Gabriel's um, passing today was something like 97% accurate. Unbelievable performance from him. What a legend. Eddie Longbridge, at Eddie Longbridge, says... At- Eddie... At Arsenal, could Mikel Arteta become the best and most successful manager in Premier League history? I think yes. Of course, Eddie. With the support of Diff Nock and Eddie Longbridge, Mikel Arteta could achieve anything. <laughs> so we're talking to Lacazette. <laughs> if you believe in yourself, mate, you can maybe get one goal contribution before the end of the season. <laughs> in, in all seriousness... I know this is. I know Eddie is uh, perhaps slightly being tongue in cheek. I, I've always backed Arteta, and I'm going to make a statement here that is rash because we're 56 minutes into the podcast and less people will be listening. I think Mikel will be a top 10 Premier League coach of all time. I think when all is said and done, at the end of his career, I don't even think it's that rash. I think Mikel will be a top 10 Premier League manager. Just saying, I think he's got everything. Fair I, enough, I think you he's can got, back your boy. I think he's got communication. I think he's got the tactical side of the game. I think he's got the man management. I think he's got the respect of the, the team and the club and the fans specifically. I think he knows how to how to work the media in certain ways, although I, I wish he would be a bit kind of... Um, a bit lighter at times. I, I think he's got everything. I think he's got the whole the whole package. Depends how far he, he takes Arsenal. Sound like I'm Louis Walsh. You've got the whole yeah. package. It depends you look if, like he, a pop if he. Star. Um... You sound like a pop star. You're a pop star. <laughs> Fuck it up. Go on, sorry. Uh, it'll listen. It'll depend on whether he does it with Arsenal or goes to Man City and does it with City because I think it's 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 tainted when you spend that much money for success. I think if he gets Arsenal back to the level where they're winning titles again from from an eighth place position and then moves on to a City and continues to win titles and and dominate, then uh, yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened. One thing that I will say though is. I think we will always revere certain managers of older dynasties more because they had longer. Alex Ferguson had such a career at one club, winning so many trophies for one club. The same with Wenger, the same with Mourinho, the same with a lot of those managers that we will put on those pedestals. They're there because of the time period that they were in and football is so different now and things move so quickly. I think it is going to become more and more of a struggle for people to make their name in that greatest of all time category or that, you know, top 10 of all time. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 don't, I don't know how I see Arteta's career here going. I think he signs another deal for sure. Um, but there may come a point where he is kind of going, like, say, for example, we get into the top four this season, we establish ourselves back as a Champions League side. Arteta's not going to want to hang around if we're not going to be pushing for properly, you know, proper 
titles and and actually trying to get to semi-finals and finals of European competitions. I, I I don't see him doing that. However, I think he also recognises what he has here at Arsenal, like what he's built. The, the fact that perhaps if he stays for a long time, he might have a bit more of a legacy because he's such a young manager. Like why, for example, if I'm Arteta, I could potentially have 30 years left of a management career. 30 years. I'm already mm-hmm. managing at one of the, I'd say, top 10 clubs in the world. I know I'm going to get those opportunities. So why don't I prove that I can turn this team around, get us to the Champions League, try and, wi- try and win something big and then move on. And there may, may come a time that, you know, he decides to move on. But I think I'm not sure he gets, I'm not sure he goes, I think he either goes after the next contract or maybe in two or three contracts time. Like he might be here eight, nine years or two or three years more. I don't think he goes in that interim interim period. I think it all depends because at the end of the day, opportunities are only going to come along every so often. And you have to leave while your stock is good. You have to kind of leave while the iron burns hot. Lacazette, for example, will want to leave this season because he's having one of his best seasons in an Arsenal shirt. So he can sell himself to other teams better. He could be like, look, this is what I bring. I've had 11 goal contributions in 13 games. In from 15 since, years. <laughs> do you know what I mean? In 15 years, yeah, Christ. But it's, and this is what I mean. If, for example, Arteta establishes us as a Champions League level side over the next two, three, and like you say, signs a new deal and stays another two years up until the end of the 2024 season and then City come calling, he might not get that opportunity for another four or five years. And I think he's also smart enough to know that if Arsenal aren't going to progress any more than they already have, the only the only thing that he gains there is stagnation because players will eventually want to leave and go to projects where they're likely to win the league or win the Champions League. And he will just get into that Wenger cycle of constantly having to build to get the top four and then have an asset stripped away and build and have an asset stripped away. Um, and with with the way that football is, you know, and it's I, I, I really wish that this would change. It's all about how many players you can buy and how good they are. It, it like you look at the fact that, OK, Liverpool's net spend is nowhere near Manchester City's. But there's a reason that they've only won one title in the last f- four years and and City, if they win it this season, will have won four in five. And that's because they have the financial ability to go, here's two fifty million pound players in each position. You know, I, I think that there is a definite world where because of what football has become and because the Saudis at Newcastle will start to spend more and more money, where the only way is stagnation and the odd title in every four years when that Man City team goes through a rebuild. And if you're not ready for that opportunity, you have to wait another four years for the next opportunity for a title to come along. It's just the way football's gone, unfortunately. Unless every club is backed by state oil and money, you can't compete to their level. Not consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I see. I, yeah, I, I, I do agree. I just think it's very clear that Mikel is a very ambitious coach. You know, he could have stayed in that City group. Mm-hmm thing and gone to Troy or Melbourne City and taken a, a, a coaching job there but he clearly has the minerals considering what he's done and has the ambition to to manage at the top level and, and as soon as he can and fair play to him and he has done it and he is doing it well so I just think you know 
if if we if he was at Melbourne City and we were Melbourne City fans going fucking hell, what are we going to do with Mikel? I imagine he'd want to move on quicker. But at the moment, mm-hmm. I just don't see his next step. Like this is the thing. So I I I think I think he knows he can get the Paris Saint Germain job. He knows he can get the Real Madrid job. But you're right. Then there is also a balance to be had of like when those opportunities come along and and how things progress. And ultimately, we can't predict because the the foundations upon which our decisions are made are constantly shifting. Who's got the money? Who's got the power? Who you know? Which players are at which clubs? Who looks like who's coming up? Who's coming down? And those things can happen in a matter of months, let alone years. So who knows? Mm-hmm. And we also have to look at where we are in in time. We at the moment are in very much um, a flip point in history, almost a handing over of the torch. Do you what job do you see Pep Guardiola accepting after Man City? Yeah, yeah. What job is is Klopp going to accept after Liverpool? I I, I reckon they'll retire. So maybe maybe for the romantic, yeah, maybe the romanticism makes pep go back to Barca if their shabby experiment doesn't work but you have to look at who's currently in charge and go are they still going to be managing in two three years time will Conte still be at Spurs no so where's he going to go maybe back to Italy what's going to happen with United will Klopp still be at Liverpool no is is he even going to accept another job after probably doing the best job he will ever do in management like where do you go from there that there's no more ups that you can go. You've chased that high. You've completed the checklist to the to the, in probably one of the best stories that will ever be woven into the tapestry of football. How do you then reconcile with yourself to accept a different job where you have to do it again? Mm. And you're already a multi-millionaire. Yeah, I, 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 we're we're very much in a flip point of history where a lot of the managers from the last 10 to 15 years are just going to seep their way out of football and just start to to dissipate and disappear. And it will be about the new guard taking over. We're lucky to have one of those coaches who's very fresh in his career. We've just got to hope we can keep hold of him for a little bit longer. Yep. And he's and he'll have the space over the next couple of years, for sure. Uh, before we go on and do a bit of Arsenal trivia, there was some racist abuse at the Wednesday night game. Um, if you know any yep. information, uh, there's some information on the Arsenal website. Please report it. Uh, there's a number 020-7619-5000, but it's all on the Arsenal website. Um, I, I don't want to get into uh, any kind of virtue signally thing, but I also hate that people don't say this. If you see this kind of stuff at the game, if you... Obviously, I'd hope I'd hope no one listening to this podcast is involved in it, but you know, I, I and I highly doubt it. But it is dis- it is well, yeah, genuinely we've told you to fuck off many times. <laughs> it is genuinely so disheartening to hear about that stuff happening at the club. Um, and to those people, you are not welcome at Arsenal Football Club on any of our watches, or you know, I, I imagine a lot of people's watches. And just my heart goes out to the people who are the victim of that because I think it's. To, to, mm. to come to a football club as, you know, in the in the heart of London, um, to just be there trying to support your team. I, I, I can't believe that's happening at a, a, a Premier League football stadium, let alone any football stadium. So, yeah, it's it's an absolute shame. Let alone a football club that is has championed diversity, inclusivity. 
for the last 50 years. Rocky Rowcastle is one of the most quoted Arsenal legends of all time. Ian Wright, Thierry Henry, mm-hmm. Patrick Vieira. Yeah. You know, uh, it, 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 it saddens me so much to think of what these fans would think of those people and those players, let alone what they would do to others. And yeah, if you do listen to this, you are of that persuasion. Please never listen to us again. Remove us from all of your socials. We don't want to interact with you. And to anyone that's had to experience that at Arsenal, you know, not to be two white men on a podcast talking about it, but, you know, we're sorry that that, that experience befell you just championing, championing something that you love. And it's, it's, it's really, really saddening. Really saddening. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm always aware when these things pop up that like you know we are just two fucking white men on a podcast. But I also don't want to ignore it. I don't want to just be like, well, then let's not say anything. It's a fucking disgrace, and yeah. and I'm so sorry to those people. And if you have any information, there's the information. If we, if one person knows someone who's in that block, I think it, you know the block numbers on the website. Then maybe maybe we've helped. We've tweeted it as well. So yeah, so maybe we've helped. Who knows? Worth a try. Um, okay, Brad, mm-hmm. we've just got time for a little bit of Ask the Trivia. Last time out, we asked you, and I've got an email from, guess who's back? Back again. Chloe Cleared is back. Uh, chaps, <laughs> this was uh, the question on last week. Chaps, we haven't been in the top division since 1903-04, as was said. We were relegated subsequently and were promoted in nefarious circumstances in 1915. Hold my hands up. I thought I thought what I was saying last week was correct. Turns out it was wrong. Taking our place in Division Fair 1 enough. after the war suspension in 1919. Henry, Henry Norris, take a bow. We've been in the top division since then, i.e. 1919. So that, what do we say, elephant-eared? <laughs> Floyd strikes again. Hmm. He also clarifies it's one syllable, not fluid. So I think it's Cloyd. I think it's Cloyd, but again, it's not. Please get in clear. touch again, Cloyd, if we're saying it wrong. I, I don't want to get it right, Cloyd. You you feel you sound like a learned man, and he says Cloyd means grey, and your podcast certainly isn't. How nice is that? Ah, anyway, what a legend. Uh, the uh, what was I going to say? Oh yes, the the theme for last week was assistant managers, and I asked you what nationality is Pat Rice. I believe he's Northern Irish. That he is, Bradley. Hey. That he is. Uh, and the theme for this week is. was Highbury Stadium. What are you doing? I love Scottish. The theme this week was Highbury Stadium. <laughs> and the question is... I'm sorry, Aaron. What, what was Highbury's capacity? What was Highbury Stadium's capacity? I'll accept the nearest thousand. Uh, and a theme, please, for next week. Okay. The theme for next week shall be... Just, just a little heads up, Brad. I Every time we do Arsenal Trivia, I'm always going to ask you for a theme. So if you could have it ready, just not waste I everyone's know. time. That'd I, be really great. I'm, I'm, Thanks, mate. Yeah. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm, uh, uh, kit manufacturers. Kit manufacturers. For the arse. Sorry, Brad. For, sorry, guys. Brad wasting everyone's time while I've wasted your entire hour. Um, okay. 
We'll finish as we do now with a quote from the little book of Arsenal. <clears throat> uh, let's find let's find a good one. Third page turn. Marco van Basten. If, if Ryan Giggs is worth twenty million pounds, Bergkamp is worth one hundred million pounds. Don't really know what to make of that one. <laughs> I agree. That's good, Brad. Uh, any plans? I'm so. If you've made it this far, I'm so sorry. This has possibly been one of the most mentally unstable episodes we've recorded in a long, long time. Brad, the listeners love it. They come for a light-hearted look at Arsenal. That's the brand. Wow. Yeah, if you we make like if you it make it to here, you are a fan. You are a you are, or possibly you just left we it love running. You. <laughs> it's like in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Or you're on a, you're on a, like Debs does, she goes on a run with it. You've just yeah. caught, not quite finished your run yet and it's yeah. just eking out the seconds. You just can't be bothered to turn it off. You can't be bothered to reach in your pocket. Uh, we appreciate you all for listening. We um, really do. We, we will really, have really some do. podcasts out over the international break, which is happening now, which hurts my soul. Uh, but we will have some podcasts out before we are back on uh, Monday Night Football on the 4th of April. Until then, look after yourselves, stay safe, thanks for listening, keep a different knock, and we'll see you later. Peace. Love you, Brad. I love you, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.